Hello again, this is Charlie Belfontaine, and you're listening to the Home Buyers Hour on WCPT AMA 20, where the facts matter. And in the studio with me today, we have Betsy Green of Caldwell Banker and Patrick Loftus of Loftus Law. And remotely, we have Joey Matthews of the Federal Savings Bank. Joey, if you don't mind, give us a little rundown. Who are you? Why are you my favorite mortgage person? And tell us what's going on in the world. Uh, Joey Matthews, NMLS 1330694, the VA loan nerd over at the Federal Savings Bank. I have no idea why Charlie likes me, but I'll take advantage <laughs> while I can. Um, no, so uh, big big things that are happening right now. Uh, today is December 14th. It's 9 or 10.07 while we're filming, so you'll be hearing this on Saturday after announcements are made. But the Fed is meeting at one or at releasing their Fed fund rate plan at 1 p.m. Central Time. So that's that's a big thing right now. The expectation is that they will increase the Fed funds rate uh, 0.5%, slightly lower than originally anticipated. We'll see if they actually do it because Jay Powell's out of his mind. Um, originally Quit around the bush. I mean, seriously, how do you feel? <laughs> yeah, no, I can't say those <laughs> words. Uh, not, not on WCPT. Where the facts matter. Where the facts matter, absolutely. And, and your clean language. And I love that. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, but inflation data came in light yesterday, Tuesday, December 13th, which uh, affected the markets very briefly. It was a huge spike. And then people remember Jay Powell was in charge and that the interest rate hikes wouldn't happen until today. So there was tempered expectation in trading at the end of the day. And today things are starting off well. Um, and we'll see what happens after the announcement. If, if they do a, a 50 bips or 0.5% increase, then I would anticipate seeing uh, MBS trade higher, which is good for rates. Good. Uh, and potentially your portfolios gain a little bit of a, a little bit of money there. And I know December is kind of the slow season for all of us and that, but anything that's going to go ahead and give somebody a little bit of motivation to go ahead and buy, I think is a good thing. Oh, absolutely. And I've been talking to plenty of realtors and, and I mean, this will get talked about, I'm sure, at some point. But there, there's been a lot of listing appointments going on. So, I mean, that could be good for buyers. We'll see it what It could happens. be very good. We need some more product out there in the market. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Patrick, I kind of skimmed over you a little bit. Can you let everybody know who you are and why you're my favorite attorney? Well, I wouldn't let you skim for very long. Uh, <laughs> I'm Patrick Loftus. I am a real estate lawyer. I am with Loftus Law. And if you want to contact me, you can call or text 773-632-8330. That is outstanding. And our guest, who's going to be our special guest host today, has been in the real estate business for 23 years. Um, she's actually in the process of writing a book now. Actually, I think she finished it, and we're going to hear more about that today, called No Fear Investing. Um she has a great passion about honesty and integrity um, when it comes to the real estate professions. And anybody who's listened to us talk before knows that that's what this whole show is about, is being a client advocate. Her name is Betsy Green. She's with Caldwell Banker. Betsy, if you don't mind, how do people get hold of you? Tell uh, us a little bit about your history and say hi to somebody special to you. Okay, definitely. Will do. Um, Charles, thanks so much for having me. And, um, you know, everybody to the station, I know you're working hard at 820. And thanks thanks for this opportunity. So, um, yeah, I'd like to say hey to my son, uh, Quentin Green. And, um, you know, he's he's just the inspiration to um, everything that I'm doing right now, too. Yeah, and I and I know Quentin and I have talked your son, and he's also in real estate, and he's just crushing it, you know, for what it is, and it, it's to me, I, I look at it where you have your family members that teach you some of the stuff they don't teach you in school, goes a long way to getting that running head start. Is that a fair statement or? Yeah, I mean, this guy, he everything he's done since he was an infant, he has been just a hard worker. And that, I, I think, is what's paying off for Quentin. And, you know, he's, he's likable, he's, he's honest, he's got integrity, and I know he's really taking good care of his clients. So, yeah, I mean, hopefully some of that was taught at home, but a lot of it, it, it just 
You know, That's our story. Package. We're sticking to it. You get all the credit. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you. I'll take it. Exactly. We're going to stick to it. So tell me about the book that you're writing. or it, It's actually going to publication real soon, right? It is. I'm very excited about this book. I and, would be, too. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. Uh, the, the publisher is really remarkable. And when I initially started the project about writing a book, it was not about this topic. And he said, you really should stick with what you know more than anything. And I was like, oh, it's so dull. And I took his advice. And I'm now really excited about the content in this book. And what I'm leaning toward in the book is to make sure that people feel empowered, any anyone at all. Because the things that I have done, if I could do it, anybody can do it. But isn't that our job as advisors? I mean, Patrick, Joey, jump in and help me with this. But that's what we are. We're coaches. We're advisors to our clients. And our whole thing, or or consultants, and our job is to take what's in our brains, put them in our clients' brains so we can empower them to make good home buying decisions. Yeah, that's one thing. But I also go over I didn't even count them, over 20 different types of investments, for example, because I want people to know you you don't have to just always live on a salary alone, that you really should get into the game, even if it's something simple, even if it's uh, something very low cost. And it's easy to do, and I explain that in my book to the degree to which I know about those investments that I bring up. I bring them up and I sometimes would say it's not anything I know a lot about. I might get into it sooner or later, or it's not you know, something I invest in, but I want people to know whatever you are interested in, you pretty much can invest in it. Yeah, I look at myself um, less as an advisor, more of a guidance counselor. I like that. <laughs> I like that. That brings a smile on my face. But why do you say that? Uh, because I thought it sounded funny. Okay, I could buy into that. <laughs> That's a good enough reason for me. Yeah, you only both, Joey. That's it. But but in all reality, you know, and Joey, jump in on this. I mean. If when somebody comes to you with, you know, getting their pre-approval and getting ready to go and start shopping for houses, I know you go overboard with asking a bunch of information and, and you basically want to yeah. make sure that nothing is going to come in the way of that mortgage once they start the process. I got that. You know, I, I've, we've been doing this almost mm-hmm. a year now, and yeah. that's the one thing that's drilled in my head. But tell me what, you know, what I'm curious about is some of the deer in the headlight looks. Do you guys get that when somebody goes, wait a minute, you need what? Every once in a while, but I'm, uh, I'm, I am who I am and I can, people don't often fight, but I'm just like, yeah, we're trying to give you a few hundred thousand dollars. We're going to ask for a few docs, right? Um, that makes it sound I'm, I'm so legit, yeah. doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, right. Uh, yeah. it, it, but like the big thing for me is I, I never want to give someone a max pre-approval. People are like, oh, what's the maximum I could buy for? I'm like, if you want a max pre-approval, talk to someone who you want to hate next year, right? Tell me what you're comfortable spending every month and we can work backwards from that. But I, I can tell you, you can qualify for $800,000 when you probably shouldn't spend more than 400000 And I, I, I want you to be happy. I want you to refer people. I don't want you to be making a mortgage payment thinking about how stupid my voice was for 30 days telling you, oh, yeah, we're good to go. And then you close and now your payment is way more than you want it to be. Yeah. You know, so that's and that goes along, I guess, with uh, the guidance counselor. Like, yeah, you can do this, but please, please don't. Please don't. <laughs> Yeah. And, yeah. you know, then sometimes they don't take our advice. And, you know, I'd, I'd love to say that those typically become told you so moments, but as often as not, they, uh, they end up yeah. being, oh, wow, you, you actually, you had a better uh, uh, beat on this than I did. I, and, and, you know, adding into that, I want to go back to a little bit on what Betsy mentioned earlier with the wealth. Um, I've had this thing in my head, and I want you to either add to it or, or tell me I'm way off base. But it was to have good wealth, you need to have savings, you need to have investments, all right, and you need to have real estate that comes in here. Those are like the three biggest things. Is there more? Any of you three? I, I would defer to the um, person here who wrote a book on it. <laughs> uh, definitely. Um, real estate is a foundation, and there's several reasons why I explain that in my book. And one is, um, in some nations, they don't have the same kind of banking system that we have. And the the way it's set up is to encourage home ownership. I mean, not 
to the degree where, you know, what Joey was mentioning about um, <laughs> pushing, you know, these upper limits on mortgages. I'm the same way when it comes to uh, shopping for houses with my clients or condos or even investment properties. And to make sure that they're thinking, um, you know, what's the end game here? How long is this uh, going to be your home? Is it a forever home or is it a transition? Which is pretty common in Chicago because, you it know, is. real estate's expensive here. But I don't know. I, I think if, if it's kind of subsidized by banks and, you know, our Federal Reserve, uh, why not take advantage of it? The other thing is, uh, if you don't like that option, then save forever for your home. Because otherwise, you could save you know, 30 years to get enough money to pay for a house. And we don't have to do that in the United States. Can you go into more detail on what you meant by banks are different in different parts of the world? Yes, I I can't say that I'm an expert about this. However, um, I do talk to international people. My company is international. And um, one example was uh, years ago when, uh, it, yeah, it might have been 20 years ago, I had a friend who had connections with the Berlitz Language Academy. So what that involved was professionals coming over to the States who had probably um, formal English lessons for two decades. and. They really weren't speaking English and they really weren't comprehending it. So what they needed was total immersion. So they come into wow. a family and six weeks they would um, be everywhere the family was. And I loved it. It was great for my son as well. And they, there was one person from Brazil and she told me that they can't trust banks and that um, they would buy vehicles, brand new cars. So that is where she put any savings into a vehicle. And I said, well, where do you keep the vehicle? She yeah. said, in a public parking garage. I would think that that would be one of the worst investments that anybody could ever make. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love a new car and that. But as soon as you drive off the lot, what is it, like 20% you lose? But you see how you can be in a situation where you don't have any choice? They had no other option. Yeah, it, to me, it sounds ludicrous. It because does. it is. It's ludicrous. So what happens in other nations, I... I just don't know, but I, I don't think there's anything quite like our banking system. Yeah, you, you take a place, for example, like Argentina, where you've got inflation that is off the charts. I mean, we, yes. we complain about 7 8% inflation. Their inflation is exponentially larger. There is no incentive to save there. People do not save. Um, they, they As quickly as they earn it, they spend it, because if they stick it somewhere, it's it's going to be worth less than it was when they earned it. If they can get their <gasps> hands on some U.S. dollars, yeah. that's a way to store uh, value. Um, it's almost but, an investment in itself, isn't it? Well, I, I, I can give actually a couple more uh, examples of this. I had a closing a couple months ago um, with a woman from Nigeria. And oh my God, tell me she wasn't a prince or something, was no, she? No, she's asking for money and right. sending you a check, you know what I mean? How dare Sorry you. about that. Charlie, I get how that, dare you. that how dare you. aircraft she's carrier a, She's a, a lovely colonel. woman who is now a homeowner here Yay. in the United States. And when I said the loan's funded and I shook her hand, the look on her face said everything. Really? Because she was absolutely blown away that she was now someone who owned a parcel of property somewhere on this planet. And it really... It really, made cool. me, it really made me Living reflect on how, you know, that's fairly pedestrian for, you yeah. know, some of us who uh, are in this industry and, and in general, if, if you've uh, worked your way up to a position in this country where you can afford to buy a house. I mean, it's it's taken for granted that you can if you meet certain qualifications and the qualifications, uh, well, you know, depending on y your situation, can be relatively easy to to meet in comparison to other places. I, my wife is not from this country, and she would uh, because the the currency where she is from is volatile as well. Um, she would uh, save money in in U.S. dollars. There's more one hundred dollar bills outside of the borders of the U.S. than there are within the borders of the U.S. Wow. Believe it or not, that is a huge. Uh, way internationally for people to uh, to have a stable place to put their value. I do know when we travel, people, and, and if I bring U.S. currency, and at some places, you know, like we're going to Mexico in January, and the dollar, people want them. 
All right. But yet when we went to Greece, you know, last summer, it was like, no, nah, keep it. You know, we're not that interested when it comes to this sort of stuff. But no, that it, it's really interesting what you were saying about the bankings and how things are different and we don't trust the banks. That's huge. You know, that's actually scary if it ever came to that point, you know, where, you, where you're buying a car to, and that's just to keep it so the car goes up in value then. If the economy's going up, and or inflation, I guess, in that area, that just makes a little bit of sense to me. It's probably not going up in value. It's probably just not going down in value as much as the currency. That's there, that's the situation in, in such places. It's uh, it's really it's really stark when you think about how fortunate we are to be in this country where our currency is the currency of the world and. It, it's just, I mean, look at where your passport is is uh, accepted with, with with or without visa. It, we are so fortunate. We don't even, we take it for granted. I 100% you know? take it for granted. Yeah, and I'm just as guilty, too. Our way of life that, that we see as normal is actually pretty good, and yet we complain about it. You know, I have a lot you, of Jewish friends, and I think they call it a schnorr. And um, would you, you know, like I, to hear some of my complaints? I have a lot. I, no, how much time? I, I no, left? we're gonna run out of time real quick. <laughs> that's for sure. So one of the things we were talking about before we started on the show here today was dual agency, and you know, I, I shared with Betsy a couple of scenarios that I was I came into over the last couple of weeks. But I, I'd like to get your take. What are you know? And I want you to talk to real estate agents and I want you to talk to home buyers all right if somebody starts popping up there that okay we could do a dual agency you got to sign this agreement what are they agreeing to what's happening to my client that's a good and complicated question I Charles um, I real dual agency is practiced and it is allowable in Illinois and it's not something I've ever done and it's not something that I would anticipate doing in the future. Let's start at the beginning. What is dual agency in real estate? All right. I'm a licensed managing broker, and um, I can't remember the last time. I, I guess it was two years ago that I had continuing it. But anyway, and we are tested on this a lot, and I'm going to do my best to explain this Thank um, you. to make it simple for listeners. A dual agency is a real estate broker representing a buyer and a seller at the same time. And I feel, you know, in my practice, it hasn't been necessary. There's other ways to do this. But um, at the same time, I, I view that as kind of like an attorney who's in the middle of a lawsuit and he's representing the plaintiff and the defendant. I, I just don't see how that works. So You can't do that. I would get my license taken away if I did that. Right. And, and then the, to even call it dual agency where it's actually describing a situation where it's not agency at all because we are asked as real estate brokers who practice dual agency to um, not represent either party so when you hire a real estate broker for to list your house and they come to you and say oh by the way we have a buyer who's interested in the property however they um, don't have a broker so I'm gonna have to uh, behave as though you don't have a broker either. And that means not... I don't like that sentence. I'm going to have to do this? Well, if it's I, I done mean, correctly... What happened to their choice? Well, they do have a they choice. They do have a choice. But the way it's worded, as That's Betsy my is, point. is alluding to, is it's, a, it's, a, it's worded in such a way that the seller would come to the conclusion that this is the, uh, the, the option being presented to them. Yeah. The only option. When, when I uh, create uh, listing agreements with a client... Um, I want to be, and we've, we've, we're held to a, a very high standard, probably the highest standard in the nation as far as industries go in the real estate industry. And, you, and who's holding us to that standard? Is that the Illinois Department of Financial and Professional Regulations? Or is it the Chicago Association of Realtors Ethics Board or the NESBAR Illinois Realtors? Who, who are you talking about? It's basically all of it, all including of the National Association of Realtors. We have a okay. code of ethics to which um, adherence is part of being a member in that organization, if you want to remain in it and operate your business, you know, freely with the other um, uh, board-certified uh, real estate brokers, I mean, you could have a license without being a member of the board. But 
there's just too many advantages to belong to the board. And that's where a lot of our continuing education comes from. Right now, the National Association of Realtors is putting out really good content um, as far as market reports. They also have a report at the end of um, January or in January. And um, uh, Dr. Yun is just so impressive with his statistics and, and his market updates. But um, regarding dual agency, uh, they, the, when I sign up a listing agreement with a client and I'm going to list their property for sale, I cross it out and I let them know that's what I'm doing. And because um, I, 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 I just don't do dual agency. And they—that's where they are. And I, I explained to them is we're not going to be participating in dual agency. If that's something that you want, um, you know, we can talk about it. And when it's it's done correctly, it would um, probably work out in some situations. However, I, I just—I I work on the professional standards board. I just don't see it done correctly enough. And whatever is going on in the marketplace. I mean, I'm not going to know and see everything, of course. I can't be everywhere. But it's really hard because, one, you're no longer advising the seller when you've already advised the seller up to that point. It could have been a year that the property was listed and you've been advising them all along and now all of a sudden you have to cut that off. I, I just wouldn't want to do that. And same thing with the buyer. To, to say you're not advising the buyer, too, you, you just couldn't. Betsy, if anybody wanted, I'm sorry to interrupt yep, you, Patrick. If anybody wants to talk to you privately, you know, off, how do they get hold of you? What are some ways that you communicate with people? Well, um, like every other real estate broker, my information is probably all over the internet. Um, my website is greenbetsy.com. Okay. And I'm at Caldwell Banker Chicago and also um, Google. So um, my phone number is 773 418 Five three six one, and I encourage anybody to call if they want to have a conversation of about a situation. Um, certainly, with professional standards, I'm a mediator and also a trained um, arbitrator for disputes, and that's with uh, members of the public as well as um, some ethics complaints and also other colleagues and professionals. Thank you. We, we do this so we don't um, end up in the court system. And I, and I do want to get back to the dual agency. We are going to continue that. Patrick, how do they get hold of you if they have questions? Call or text 773-632-8330. And Joey, please. I can be called or texted at 630-235-2405. Or you can find me across all of the social medias at the VA Loan Nerd. You are making me smile so big just listening to you talk like that. Yeah, that voice, that's what I do it. That voice is, is a 10 p.m. voice, not a 10 a.m. voice. I'm calling. Yeah, right? I am too. So my name is Charlie Belfontaine. I own Chicagoland Home Inspectors. That Our website is www.thehomeinspectors.com. That's plural, O-R-S, and it's a .com. Our phone number is 312-544-9180. Our education site is the Home Inspection University of Illinois, which is H-I-U-I-L.com. Anybody who's interested in entering the home inspection business or getting CE, please come in and talk to us. And Joey, going back to the dual agency, I know you're a big communicator with the real estate agents. You like to keep everybody that's involved in the transaction uh, going, do you change your your? I don't know what the right word is. Style, tactic, you know, procedures. When you find out that it's the real estate agent is now a dual agent, uh, I it, it's tough because no matter what, I want to make tough. sure I'm negotiating. Um, well, not negotiating, but working in the best interest of my buyer. So it, it's it makes it weird because I don't want to talk too much. And I mean, the, the, the buyer information is protected by privacy law, but I also don't want to give any sort of leading information because I don't know if it's going to be used against the buyer to the seller because I don't, I, I don't know the intention of the agent, which I mean, it is what it is. It, uh, are, is this family friend with the seller? Is it, you know, I, I hate it. It's a weird dynamic. Yeah, same. Um, you know, Joey, I'm glad you brought that up. When I see that there is one agent listed on the contract and there's not another agent involved, normally, if if I'm working with an agent that's not in a dual agency um, situation, I would include them on all the communications. It's the the team that we always talk about. Whereas if 
they if they're on both sides of the fence, I can no longer, in, in my own good conscience, share my the, my more candid advice, opinions, etc., with that agent because I I can't be promised that they're not going to use that information, even if they are of the highest ethical standard. Let's say that they just know exactly where to draw that line and they set those boundaries and they adhere to them scrupulously. I also know that subconsciously, they may still not be able to keep those things separate and they may ultimately, even if they don't think they're doing it, use information that really should be kept private uh, and share it with someone who it should not be shared with. Um, from, from my perspective, you, we've, we need to keep both sides. The private communication must be private. And, you know, that that goes to uh, the ethical standards that I must adhere to, such as confidentiality, et cetera. As soon as I start including other people in communications that should otherwise be confidential, it's not confidential anymore. And now I, I am no longer adhering to the ethical standards that I'm required to adhere to. So not only does it create problems for Joey as the mortgage broker, it creates a, a problem for me in terms of I have to then modify. And Betsy, as you were alluding to, I think, to do that code switch midstream with your seller to say, Seller, I no longer, I agreed to do these, I'm just going to use a number, these 12 things. These are, these are the things that I promised you. And then you have a buyer just so happens, loves the house. You go to your seller and you say, well, I know I promised these 12 things. I'm going to take out six of them. And I'm only going to, I'm, my, my new promise is that I'll do these six things for you. Seller will hear that you probably you know, you've done your what you need to do to disclose to the seller that the, the situation has changed. But I don't think that as a consumer, the seller is really going to take that on, absorb it and be like, OK, cool. Different situation, by the way, still paying the same amount. Um, but now I am sort of on my own. Uh, and as, as you know, we discussed earlier, and said. as you've mentioned, yeah. That doesn't sound very fair to me. Yeah, and, and the seller's paying the full tab. So they paid, they paid me why? And, and you know, also what you're talking about, Patrick, it comes to mind there's uh, ideally um, things that a real estate broker needs to reveal to another side. Now there isn't another side. There's basically no side. So... Give me an example. What do you mean by that? I'm at a, I'm a little confused. Sorry. Well, good question. So here's an example. What if it's an open house? What if a buyer comes into the open house and they're alone with the broker? And what buyer knows what they should disclose to this broker and what they shouldn't disclose to the broker? Again, it goes so, back to most of them. And this isn't being mean or rude. Most of them are ignorant when it comes to the home buying process, and that's where we all come in. Well, I think that in a way, the industry has complicated the whole situation. And me, I personally feel like dual agency is too complicated, and and I would not want to ever cross uh, boundaries with any client, you know, the seller or the buyer. It, it just wouldn't be fair. So we are um, mandated to disclose certain information that one party tells us and share it with the other party. And by we, you're talking about a real estate broker. Based on our license. Yeah, Based by on being your license. Licensed by the state, we are uh, mandated to disclose this information. Such as? Well, there's, there's information that's personal and could be confidential that wasn't out in the public. Okay. And then there's other information pertaining to the property. Now, there's also going to be property um, information that needs to be disclosed and some that does not need to be disclosed. So we're always, I mean, there's a lot of math going on here. There's, <laughs> yeah. there, there's so much we have to be aware of at every given moment. And could I say, you know, for certain that no, the buyer never disclosed anything to me in the first conversation that we had, the initial conversation until they told me, oh, by the way, after talking to them for two hours, I don't have a broker. And then that would put panic into my you yeah. know, system because I would have to reveal what they said to me to the seller. So 
that's not anything I want to do. I don't want to compromise my license, and I certainly don't want to compromise the position of a seller or a buyer. So when a broker is co you know, considering dual agency or they're in that situation, I'm just hoping that they handled it very uh, diplomatically because that's what it takes. Yeah, if that buyer comes in and says, I've, I, I need to be in a permanent residence by 45 days from now, that's important. If I was a seller, I'd want to know that. Now, is that confidential information? Depends, I suppose, if it's a dual agency situation or not. Well, and, and vice versa, if the seller is getting transferred out of the country and absolutely needs to just get out of this thing, you know, if we can't close in 30 days, we got a problem. Um, you know, these, this is stuff that is not really supposed to be shared across the, the boundary. Right. And you could put your hand on the scale without even realizing it. So when I am with my clients and we are viewing properties going on tour, I brief them. Please don't don't rave about a, a property. Um, don't say this is the best house on the market. I <laughs> want this so much. My kids are gonna love it. I want to rent over right now. I think and I watched like, a couple of sitcoms like that that <laughs> weren't supposed to be talking that way. Here's yeah. the one. Here's the You'd one. You'd be surprised how many people do do that. And I said, well, let's be reserved. And when you yeah. have comments, um, we can discuss it privately. But I don't want to give anything away here. Yeah. Here's the it other one. It raises the price. I'm, I'm gutting the kids. As soon as the seller finds that out, you're you're done in terms of any inspection stuff that you want that has any that touches the kitchen or the bathroom. Whatever you said you were gonna just, you know, bulldoze and 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 put back in. I can't tell you how often uh, when I represent a seller that that information is shared freely. Really. Uh, or or I just won the lottery. Oh, <laughs> can, can we not say that in yeah, the house? Right. <laughs> I haven't yeah. gotten that one yet, but uh, yeah, that would be like, ooh, okay, well, you know, you got money. <laughs> yeah, the other thing is, too, yeah. as you talk about renovating things in a property, it could be um, a seller who's emotional about uh, the property, and they might say, you know, this one thing, that's that's the flooring that my grandfather put mm -hmm. in, and this is the most amazing flooring, you know, anywhere in the nation. And then someone comes in, and they start talking about the flooring, and I have to I have to pull them aside first, like, don't say anything about the flooring, okay? Just pass on the flooring, okay? Let's do that. I learned that lesson in 1995. It was a horrible inspection. I was, I hit it off with the client really well. We're having a great conversation. We get to the inside, and there's this two-inch tall green shag carpeting. <laughs> and I'm such an idiot. You know, I nudge my client. I go, can you believe somebody actually put this stuff in here? This is how dumb I was at that time. And he looked at me. He looked at me and he goes, you can't buy this carpeting like this anymore. This is the main reason why we wanted this. <laughs> so what does a big dummy do? He doubles down like, you serious? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, absolutely serious. The relationship went from hero to zero in a heartbeat. Hey, Joey, who gets your pre-approval letters? Does that go to the sellers as well? Uh, well, yeah. So I give it to the buyer's agent and the buyer, and then it is when an offer is being made. I also I, I, I want to make sure my pre-approval is specific to the property, but when the offer is being made, the buyer's agent gets it over to the list agent. Uh, I know that sellers sometimes see pre-approvals. I don't. I don't know if it happens every single time, but uh, I do believe that the sellers usually see my pre-approvals. What gets put on those? So um, for me, it's it's a generic. Unfortunately, it's a generic uh, pre-templated pre-approval that just says you know X amount of dollars, uh, X amount of taxes, all that information. Um, but that's also why I like to call my list agents when I know an offer is going in, so I can talk about my process and and what I've already done to make sure that you know if this offer is accepted, that it is something that's going to close if the house is good to go, uh, because. This, the things that I do is, is not going to be listed on a pre-approval. So if you look at all pre-approvals the same, then I'm a run-of-the-mill guy. But if I'm making a phone call when I know the offer's going in before the list agent has a chance to call me, then uh, that usually gives my client a, head, uh, uh, a little boost. And I guess I'm asking these questions because of, and I'm really into this dual agency thing right now. And I, I don't know why I'm digging at this thing like an old dog with a bone. But do you put on there like this person can get a mortgage for up to $750,000? No, I make it specific to the offer that they're making. If there's going to be negotiations, I have no problem updating the pre-approval to the negotiated amount. If it's going to be higher than my original pre-approval, that's fine. I, I will not throw 
you know, if they're making a $300,000 offer, I'm not going to give them an $800,000 pre-approval. I think that's just silly. It wouldn't make any sense anyway. If I, if I was receiving that offer, I'd say, great, but what about the loan for this place? <laughs> and that's yeah. where I'm going. And Betsy, we'll bring it back to you on that. You know, it's like, what information does both parties get? What can you share as a dual agency? I know you don't do it. I respect for you. And one other question before you come back to that one, I'll remind you. You mentioned something to me earlier. How many states is dual agency legal in? I haven't checked lately, but last I did, I believe it's seven. So what if you're off by one or two? You know, (laughs) and Illinois is one of them. But most of the union doesn't doesn't do it. They don't allow it. That's a big deal. I think it's been slowly whittled away. It, I just don't see who it serves is my point. Right. But I know that there's a bunch of people involved with law changes and rule changes. You know, we're going through the rule changes for home inspectors now, and we have our team on the industry side. So, and I do know the Illinois realtors, they have, I think it's 13 lobbyists that comes in there. Chicago, or CAR, Chicago Association of Realtors, they're probably the next biggest lobbying group when it comes to real estate agents. I don't know exactly their numbers, but I know it's more than four, all right? We got one as the home inspectors. That's all we could afford. I think the attorneys, every single one of them, is a lobbyist, so they probably got 5,000 of them, and I can't speak for the mortgage things. So who do you think is the driving force not to have it changed and removed? Uh, That's a good question. I don't know a lot about this, but a month ago, um, I saw some legislation at the highest levels. We're talking, um, it was either Congress or Senate. Okay. Someone took an issue with the fact, with how we've run our industry for decades, maybe even a century, I'm not sure. But the the way commission is paid when you sell the property, the listing agent um, will put the cooperating commission amount. So a buyer has the, the right, they, they absolutely deserve the right to hire their own real estate broker. Everything's gotten not less complicated now, it's more complicated than ever. And um, legally, and, and the money that's at stake, I, I, I would never operate without a real estate broker if I wasn't one, and I encourage representation. So they were trying to eliminate the buyer broker commission. And why would our federal level of legislators have an issue with consumers being represented by a broker? This is the worst legislation I've ever seen proposed that that I can think of. And it's not going forward or we don't know where it is? You know, I haven't gotten involved. I I was hoping it would just go to the wayside. And I do not know if this is something someone's still pushing because it's the most ludicrous suggestion. And I wonder, am, am I the only person that wants consumers to have the right to be represented by a broker in the biggest purchase they're probably gonna make? No, in their I, lives, and will continue to make purchases. A person might buy five houses in, in their lifetime, or it, investing. It makes no sense um, for all kinds of reasons. And you know, one that I will highlight is that, and, and you mentioned this, there, there's an emotional component, and, and, it, and it is significant, especially when someone is buying or selling a residence. You know, It's different with an investor, and so I'll set those folks aside. But most people who are gonna buy a home are consumers and the motions are there. And that's probably you know, one of the key uh, benefits that brokers bring to the table is that they are- A good broker. Yeah. They, they yeah let's going... get that clear. There's good and bad in every field. Well, And sure. you, you hit it on the head. A good broker is gonna do what Patrick's saying. So, so they filter out some of that emotions. The same reason that uh, actors and, and athletes have agents, because if you come in and you, are negotiating with the homeowner and you say, well, I know you want 350, but those floors are really terrible and all of the countertops are need to be replaced. You are dinging away at their self-esteem and all of a sudden they are not in their, um, you know, they, they've gone to uh, another place and not, not the adult place. But That was but the to, last uh, thing my father did before he died was put those floors in for me. Yeah. And I have an emotional uh-huh. attachment to them. Safe floors are important. I mean, you you might think it's lineage. You might not think, the green check carpeting, uh, though. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> you, you, well, yeah. I, 
Sorry. I actually have a green shag rug oh, no. in my living room, Charlie. How dare you? How dare All right, you? You guys are tripling down on this now. Yeah, I mean, don't lie. Unbelievable. I don't know. I don't know if I'm I can look you in the eye anymore, Charlie. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, the, having brokers uh, to to be there in that space in between the two emotional parties, that that's the thing that makes it go. So if you were to eliminate one side or the other, you would create so much friction it would be really detrimental yeah patrick it's um good that you bring up that point and i'll tell you in my practice when i'm working with a, a buyer or client i tell them okay this is going to be an emotional emotional purchase and um everything that we look at you know you want to love something i and go ahead embrace that feeling I'm going to be the voice in your ear saying, "This really is back in. <laughs> yeah, this is not a good yeah. quality property." Stay on the logic thinking, or or this has too many inspection issues, and um, at least I look for inspectors that have some kind of background where they know a lot about buildings because that's what it comes down to. Same thing if I'm working with a seller, I'll let them know, "Okay, you've got a great house here. It's it's." And, you know, it doesn't matter what my opinion is about it. I'm just telling you, I'm not the buyer. I mean, if I were going to buy your house, I would have bought it already. So let's just look at what the majority of the population demands. And since I've worked with buyers for, you know, 20 years of my, well, probably 23 years of my career, but I was focused mostly, mostly on just buyers. And I listen intently to what they say to me. And I know how they go through the process. And I can share this with a property seller and let them know. It's like the reason I'm asking you to switch all of your fabrics into something solid is because you want top dollar. And the reason I'm asking you not to paint your walls gray, but to paint them off-white because you want the top dollar. And everything else I'm telling you, if the furniture's dated, it's got to go. And it's not personal, but we want money. Let's sell high. Buy yeah. low. You, you can't, buy or buy low. Sure, yeah. If you, I mean, if you're just dumping properties on the market and you think, well, you know, my neighbor's got X amount and you've not paid attention to those details, you're going to be fighting something that you don't want to be fighting, which is uh, the buyers are the ones with they're bringing the cash. And without them, it don't go. And if they think, well, you know, I like this place, but the neighbor's place sold for 20K more, and I'm going to have to put 30K into this to, to make it my, my home, you know, the, the, that's what the math is for the buyer. Right. Or just paint and use the right colors, because there are colors that don't sell. Read my book, and you will see there are colors that are a detriment to selling property. What's the name of that book, Betsy? <laughs> no Fear Investing. <laughs> no Fear Investing. And how do people get hold of you if they want to talk to you? Uh, you can call me or text me, 773-418-5361. Say that one more time. 773-418-5361. And if you have any questions about finances, mortgages, and probably one of the most well-educated VA and FHA people that I know, Joey, how do they get hold of you? Well, you can call or text at 630 <laughs> Two four zero five day or night, hit me up or find me on the social medias. I am the VA Loan Nerd. I love it. And what's that phone number one more time? 630-235-2405. And Patrick, same thing. How do they get a hold of you, please? Joey, when you're a massive TikTok star, <laughs> you won't forget us, will you? I'm oh my gosh, you're, you're, coming, you're coming with me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Betsy, I'm going to be in the market for a new book in roughly six weeks' time. If I, if I were to be looking for a book that's just coming out right about then, where would I find this book? About investing? And, and what's it called? <laughs> uh, it's called No Fear Investing, and it does have a squeeze page um, that's going to take a little work. So I'm going to use those next six weeks wisely. Hmm. And um, I'm all this, on the socials as well. All right, so I'll keep an eye on that, and I'll know when I'm in the when I'm in the market. I'm not in the market yet, but in six weeks, I know I'm going to be like, man, I need a book. Yeah, friend me. Let's connect. <laughs> Hit right. me up. All right, uh, Joe, you asked me a question, and I did my best to avoid answering. Seven seven three. Call or text six three two. Call or text eight three three zero. Smash the like button. Subscribe. Enable notifications. That's my job now. There it is. Do everything that you can to get onto our social media. It's greatly appreciated. And that's one thing I really like about everybody that's here right now with us is their willingness to help 
other human beings to a very emotional and very rewarding time of their life becoming a homeowner. Um, I think it's outstanding. And I pride myself and uh, the gentleman. I, I wish we could hire some women. So if there is a woman out there or anyone else who's looking to get into the home inspection business, let me know. We definitely want to be more diversive in our business. Our company name is Chicagoland Home Inspectors. Our website is www.thehomeinspectors.com, and our phone number is 312-544-9180, and our home inspection education school is Home Inspection University, which is H-I-U-I-L.com. And quite frankly, the more I'm thinking about this, with maybe we could do something like this differently, I would lo love to put together a, a PowerPoint training video where we could get the different video, where different thoughts in our heads onto a recording so that we could share stuff like that on a continuing basis where, you know, what is dual agency? Or before you enter dual agency, these are the things that you need to know. This is what you're limiting yourself. I, you know, granted, we'll try and get it out there as much as we can. But what do you guys think? Is that just nuts? Should we rely on other people to do that? Well, Charlie, I got good news for you. We you just did it. We just did it. Ooh. All we need is someone to chop it up, edit it, and you know, Bob's your uncle. All right. Well, Shy, I know you're listening right now. He's our assistant that helps out with the show and probably my favorite person in the world. Don't tell my wife or father-in-law or anyone else who's listening. Um, but he's amazing, and I'm going to have him work on that. But what do you think? You want to be involved on this a little bit deeper? Oh yeah. Let's let's go to video. Let's take this thing on the road. All right. And then we can go ahead and pass it around. So, Joey, you know, when it comes to, you know, going back to integrity and, and honesty, you know, I, we only got roughly less than 10 minutes left. But I want to hear, you know, warning signs. In other words, if I start interviewing a mortgage broker, what are some of the things that I should be listening for that knows I'm going down the wrong road and I need to hang up this phone? So, I mean, uh, hey, here's your pre-approval. Oh, well, I didn't give you any docs. Yeah, that's okay. We don't need them. That's, uh, that's a big, big red flag for me. Um, Does that happen a lot? Have you ever heard of, it rhymes with pocket mortgage. We're not going there. <laughs> yes, yeah. I know what you're saying. We're not going I mean, there. And you yeah. mean pocket listing, I'm sure. You know, yeah, we're yeah. close to it. I mean, there, there's, there's definitely toilet paper pre-approvals in the world. Um, and right. it, it, it's, it, is, it is what it is. People want to, uh, they want to take the path of least resistance. I see it a lot with people that are really new to the industry. I just had to nip it on in the, in the bud with one of my new bankers. They wanted to pre-approve someone that didn't have docs, but they're like, oh, but they make X amount of dollars, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't care what they say they make. You need to verify, verify, or you are going to run the risk of, risk of losing your license, you know? So I, I, I just, I, there's people that will do that, and that is disingenuous, and it's not working in your best interest at all. Now, at all. do people have to put down money with you at all, or are they committed to you oh, gosh, when you no. give them that pre-approval, or is that, no, you know, not, I think that's a great warning bit. sign. Yeah, and something that I'll even tell clients, I'll be like, hey, Shop, shop rates, shop whatever, shop, honestly, shop your, your best experience, right? Because at the end of the day, I mean, mortgages are going to be pretty close to each other, right? Because it's all based off the same MBS trading, um, mortgage-backed securities trading, right? So if I'm within an eighth or a quarter, sometimes I'm winning, sometimes I'm losing, I really don't care. No one's going to give a better experience on the mortgage side that, that I will. Someone may close you just as fast as I am, but no one's going to close you faster, you know? That's fair. So, Yeah. Yeah, my, ex that. my experience with mortgage brokers is you're not hiring them for the particular mortgage they can get you because they're more or less selling all the same thing. Um, yeah. It's you hire the mortgage broker who, you. I mean, you can tell you know, that this person has it together. This person has process. But um, I'm going to argue with that. I don't think they can tell. I think there's a lot of people yeah. that don't know what's good or what's bad. You know, and I'll, I'll take it straight to my field in the home inspection business. We got home inspectors out there still doing three, four, five inspections a day. They're in and out of these houses in 45 minutes. That should be a, I'm going somewhere else right away. And please don't think I'm trying to be mean or argumentative. It's just, I, I, I think a lot of people are very ignorant to what it takes to buy a home. They just go, I want to buy a house and I'm going to do it. Sure. Well, I suppose in that case, um, 
I guess if someone's a real smooth talker, that maybe uh, maybe you get had. Um, but well, what then about again, you? perhaps you, you listen to the Home Buyers Hour and you know <laughs> that Joey Matthews is your guy. And I agree with you, and I respect everybody here. But there's, but there's, but still, they're not going to meet us, and you know right away, and, and they're going to interview other people. And if we all think that everyone's the same. I mean, we are a prejudicial society. We have to admit that, you know, and so when one home inspector is bad, we're all bad. So what about attorneys? If I'm talking and interviewing an attorney, what should be some warning signs that I hear that I'm like, okay, you're not the person for me? Well, I've said this before, but if I'm going to be hiring a lawyer, I want a lawyer who is focused on the task that I have to hire him for. Anymore these days, and and Betsy alluded to this, stuff is not getting less complicated, it's getting more complicated. And so I've found in my practice, I started out as a generalist and over time whittled down the various areas that we get involved with, down to the point where the vast majority of my practice is residential real estate transactions. That's the person you want to be representing you. You don't want someone who dabbles here dabbles there they're going to be uh off in you know different parts of the state or the or the country doing depositions and attending court appearances and they can't give you their time i mean so that's one one is i I want someone who has a track record of handling residential real estate transactions number two and and this this probably should be number one are they picking up the phone okay and if That's they're not a big pi- deal. if they're not picking up the phone, can I reach them in in a way? It, it, are they available so that I don't have to go more than say 24 hours from wanting to get their attention and actually getting their attention? So whether it's via email, phone, text, whatever, those are probably two really big things that I would look for if I was hiring a lawyer. And, and I've hired lawyers for other stuff, and mm, yeah, well, it, experience it's, it's matters. Cer- That's the bottom has, line. Has, uh, given me a great insight as to what I should do to to differentiate myself from some of the things that I didn't like about the experience of hiring other lawyers. And I'm glad you're sharing that. And I hope we keep sharing that stuff because it's important. What a, same question to you, Betsy. And we got roughly a little over a minute to go. So what are some warning signs to, you know, if you're going to be picking a real estate agent? What is something that if I hear this, I should just turn around and walk away? Well, I think any time somebody in sales is uh, overly pushy, uh, then they really have their own interests in mind, and sometimes it's pretty obvious. And um, I advise clients, I mean, to Joey's credit, uh, to watch those hard pulls, because if you're having your credit report pulled um, over and over again, it's going to hurt you. And, and it's yeah. you know, it takes time to get to know that person as well before they start pulling credit. So... No, yeah, it's that's... good to know. And or, or soft sell real estate broker, I think, would be um, important. Also, somebody who's got a lot of experience. I do too. And the bottom line is, you know, I I, I hate the fact that whenever I hear somebody say that a real estate agent sells houses, you know, and quite frankly, and, and this is going to sound derogatory, but unlocking a door and filling out blanks on a piece of paper is not that hard, all right? But that's not what you do. A good real estate agent has so much knowledge about micro-communities and what their offers were, coaching their clients, getting them to be whatever they're going to be, and getting them the best possible deal. You're selling yourself. You're not selling houses. You know, they, they have to choose the person who's going to be best fit for them. But anyway, we're running out of time. I want to thank everybody for listening. Special thank you to Devin Tingle, our producer, Bernie, Mrs. Loftus, all our great listeners. This is Charlie Belfontaine on WCPT AM 20, and I am out.